0: Iran is a country where women gained the right to vote nine years before women in Switzerland.
1: Welcome to Radio Davos, the podcast from the World Economic Forum that looks at the biggest challenges and how we might solve them. This week, the women leading calls for change in Iran and around the world.
2: We love democracies and we talk a lot about how to make democracies work better. And they will not work better if half of the participants in those democracies are not included.
1: On this episode, I speak to actress and activist Nazanin Bonyadi, who was at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos to talk about the protest movement in her native Iran being led by women, a movement she says has global resonance.
0: When you look at the slogan, woman, life, freedom, of course, it means advocating for women, a better life and for freedom. And that applies to people everywhere.
1: With women's rights under increasing threat in several parts of the world, Nazanin Boniadi says society can only flourish if women can flourish.
0: We understand that if women don't have their rights, that usually leads to society at large being deprived of their basic human rights.
1: Bonyadi says a protest movement led by women is more likely to result in a democratic outcome than one led by men.
0: Every time we've seen women participate, have central participation in a movement, as we did in Argentina, as we did in Chile, for example, there's a greater likelihood of democracy prevailing.
1: Listen back to our daily podcasts from Davos 2023 by subscribing to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts or visit wef.ch slash podcasts. And don't miss our sister podcast, Agenda Dialogues, which carries the full audio of some of the best sessions from Davos, and Meet the Leader, which spoke to some of the most influential figures at the meeting. Catch up on all the action from Davos 2023 at wef.ch wef23 and across social media using the hashtag wef23. I'm Robin Palmer at the World Economic Forum and with this look at women, Iran and democracy.
0: That's why politically active women are such a threat to autocrats.
1: This is Radio Davos
2: democracies, and we talk a lot about how to make democracies work better, and they will not work better if half of the participants in those democracies are not included.
1: Former Spanish Foreign Minister Arancha Gonzalez speaking in Davos at a session called Women's Leadership Towards Parity in Power.
2: We just went through a massive health crisis. Where were the women? They were nurses. They were doctors. They were workers at the base of the pyramids, and they saved us, by the way. Where are the women? The women are in the education sector. Where are the women? The women are in science, because what matters is using your brains, and women have plenty of brains to use. But where are they not? They are not in positions of power. And by the way, power, it's very hostile to women.
1: Arancha Gonzalez, now Dean of the Paris School of International Affairs at the French University Sciences Po, speaking on that panel, which you can hear in full on our sister podcast, Agenda Dialogues. The position of women in a man's world came up at another session in Davos 2023, the World Economic Forum's annual meeting that happened in mid-January. That panel was called Women's Rights in Iran, What Next? One of the speakers was the actress Nazanin Bonyadi, currently appearing on the Amazon Prime TV show The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. And ahead of the session, she popped into the Radio Davos booth at the heart of the Congress Centre to talk about her activism. We played a clip from it on one of our daily podcasts from Davos. Go back and check those out. But here's the interview in full, which happened early on in the Davos week. Well, we're in Davos, and I'm welcoming to the Radio Davos booth Nazanin Boniadi actor and activist Nazanin how are you
0: I'm well thanks for having me
1: have you had enough time in Davos to get get any impression of the place of the event or have you just rushed straight here I
0: came to you I I got here last night um and I literally just came from the registration booths and testing so this is my first foray into anything Davos
1: Mm -hmm. but you have experience in kind of the United Nations as well with your activism, is that right? Yes, yes. I
0: was recently at the, the UN Security Council, uh, where I spoke at the Aria Formula meeting, co-convened by the United States and Albania on Iran. Um, and I, I, I spoke there.
1: You were born in Iran? Yes. You're Iranian? Yes. But grew up, from what kind of age were you in London?
0: So I was born in May 79 um and my mother was 19 when she had me and and when she, while she was still pregnant with me she would um she was one of the anti-revolution protesters so she and my father were very much opposed to any kind of um Islamic republic or the- theocratic rule or Khomeini coming into power they saw the backsliding of rights um and they realised that they couldn't have a child in a social, legal, political climate that was growing increasingly oppressive, particularly towards women and girls. So my mother, I, I always say my first protest was in the womb. I was in my mother's room when she was 19, and she is what they call a shizan or a lioness. And that 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 word is being used a lot more these days because we're seeing women on the front lines. Women have been on the front line since '79. Um, standing up against compulsory hijab. It's just this moment that we're seeing um, that's getting media coverage and, and that they're coming out on force, really. But but I, I want to say that, that that's where my passion for, for human rights and particularly women's rights in Iran came from, from my parents and essentially being in my mother's womb when she was fighting against the oppression.
1: 1979, I mean, it's a year absolutely engraved into history. For Iran, but you know, it's something that just had repercussions around the world, and we're still feeling them today. What you had there, you know, I don't want to sound like an expert on it, but I was a Reuters correspondent in Iran, so I've read a few books and I've lived in Iran for two years. Um, there were op- opponents to the Shah, many of them weren't Islamists, so they wouldn't be, have been supporters of Khomeini, but people coalesced around that, and some of the uh, Islamic laws. Particularly the compulsory hijab was not supported by a lot of people who were in favor of big deep political change at the time, but I think at the time a lot of people said it's not a big deal you know the hijab, and even if you go to Tehran today, it's a headscarf over the hair it's not a burqa you know it's um, but even back then and very much today, people women in Iran are saying, no, this is a big deal
0: it is a big deal, and I think you know People. Some people make the mistake of saying that this is um, sort of the protests are anti-compulsory hijab, anti-morality police. Sure, they are. But what what perhaps people may not understand is that uh, the hijab, the compulsory hijab, has become a symbol. It's just a symbol, outward symbol, of the overall oppression that women faced in Iran. And um, you know, whereas in 79, you had these sort of all these different opposition groups. That was sort of co opted by Khomeini. And, um, and then he sort of, when he came into power, he, sort of, he sidelined everybody. Now you have everyone united, understanding. There's a lot of um, nostalgia for pre 79 Iran. And we're seeing the, those slogans even in the protests on the streets of, you know, long live Reza Shah. And, you know, um, and it's such a stark difference to what you saw in 79. And now what we're seeing is women on the front lines, their participation really is central to these protests. But they've galva- what they've managed to do is they've galvanized Iranian society at large to understand the intersectionality of gender equality and most every other basic human right. So, and because Masa Amini was not only a woman that sparked this, but an ethnic minority, a Kurdish woman, and if you look at you know everything from the Arab Spring um, to to more current um, revolutions in the region, you'll see that men, young men, have died and sparked revolutions. This is a woman who's died and sparked this revolution, and now it's come to this this point where it's become a pro democracy movement.
1: Let's remind listeners who Massa Amini was. Could you? Tell us what happened there for people who don't know.
0: Yes, of course. So Masa Amini was a uh, 22-year-old Kurdish Iranian woman who was visiting Tehran with her brother, got arrested by the morality police or so-called morality police for inappropriate hijab. Um, She was thrown into a van. Which
1: inappropriate hijab let's just remind listeners: means her hair wasn't properly covered right you know that would be the accusation which in Tehran is very very common but every now and then the morality police come out at least the time I was living there never bothered me the men don't seem to be any restrictions on them but the morality police come out and can just pick women up walking on the street who look they're wearing a headscarf even but there's hair coming out of it and bundle them off into the minibus or the police van or whatever sorry exactly no
0: that that's exactly right and and so she was thrown into this minibus with other women who'd been arrested and um there are three days later she she enters she goes into a coma and she she dies three days later essentially and that was i think september 16th that she she died her medical records were withheld from her family um she had no pre-existing health conditions according to her family as i said she was 22 young her brother saw that she was sort of violently thrown into the, the van. There are eyewitnesses inside the van who have reported um, that she was beaten in the van. And so uh, everything points to the fact that she was murdered. She was killed by the morality police. Um, and since then, we've seen this uprising. And yes, it started with women, young girls, school schoolgirls essentially, coming out, taking off their hijab. Um, waving it, not only waving them as they've done in the past few years, but setting them ablaze, cutting their hair in protest, dancing in the streets. And then you saw, and this is despite the the great risk of being beaten, raped, blinded, imprisoned, and even killed. And so since then, more than 500, over the course of the past more than four months, more than 500 protesters have been killed. Um, More more than 19,000 protesters. With the average age of 17, a month into the the protest, Iran Wire reported that the average age, according to the government, Iranian government, of people arrested in protest was 17. So it's very much youth led. And four protesters have since been executed, sentenced to death and executed, of which three were in their early 20s. So there is, and there is a very strong middle class component. And you're seeing large, um, it's very broad based. Um, And so what started as this women's rights uprising has really been galvanized into a pro-democracy movement. And now people are are chanting death to Khamenei and um, they don't want an Islamic Republic.
1: Do you think it's different this time? I mean, there was, you mentioned the the Arab Spring. Of course, Iran's not an Arab country, but it's next door and around the same time, there was, in fact, before the Arab Spring, I think was the, the Green Movement in Iran and around the world. People were seeing that and thinking well is this an uprising of the youth and again protesters were reportedly killed Um, didn't really change very much in the long run do you think it's different this time
0: yeah i think it's different on many levels first of all it is centered on female participation um and that you know scholars have said that the involvement of women will you know is more likely to lead to um positive outcome in democratic movements and we've seen that in in Chile, Argentina, Brazil, um, and so there's hope there. There's also, if you look at the international response to it, it's unprecedented what we're seeing. First of all, it's been nonstop protests for more than four months now. Uh, I myself was invited. I met with the U.S. administration um, early on in the protests. You with met
1: Vice President. Vice Kamala President
0: Harris. Kamala Harris. I met the Secretary of State, and I met the National Security Advisor uh, Jake Sullivan. And um and they did take positive steps. You know, I was invited to speak at a um the UN uh, Security Council ARIA Formula meeting that was co-convened by the US and Albania shortly after that, um, which was unprecedented. And after that we had the UN um Human Rights Council and the positive outcome there for a fact-finding mission uh, on the protests, again unprecedented. We've had the Islamic Republic expelled from the Commission on the Status of Women at the United Nations. Again, unprecedented, there's no precedent for that. So people said it couldn't be done. It was done. And the reason is because people are outraged for the first time. It's it's really sort of struck a chord with the global community in a similar way that the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa did, I think. And as long as the people in Iran, the brave protesters in Iran continue on this path, I can't see any other outcome other than democratization, because I think we are now, the international community is now paying attention.
1: You're an actor and an activist, I mean, which came first?
0: (laughs) Well, I I want to say activism was always in my blood. Um, Acting came to me in my mid twenties. So um, it's just that I got to use my platform as an actress to, to be a more effective advocate. But I can tell you, my my activism started um, shortly before the 2009 protests, the Green Movement. Um, And all I'd done was a soap opera in America. So I had virtually no acting platform. And I remember my early days, I would picket outside sort of with five of my friends, just picket outside news outlets, try to get media coverage. Of course, we failed, but I kept going and and persisting. Um, But really, the moment Now, this moment is different, not only because, of course, I have a bigger acting platform, um, but I think it's because of the the courage that the Iranian people are showing that the doors have opened for so many of us in the diaspora to be able to take these meetings um, with lawmakers um, and with journalists and do interviews, because people want to know what's happening in Iran. So it's really they're opening the doors for us to be able to to amplify their voices.
1: So you you have a bigger platform than you did when you were a young actress in in an American soap opera. Um, I just read this about your character in Lord of the Rings, The Ring of Power. Um, Bronwyn is described on this website as she has no special powers, no superhuman fighting skills, nor a millennia spanning life expectancy. But Nazanin Boniardi is a Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power character. Bronwyn is an inspiring woman of great inner strength. Would that be a fair description of you as well?
0: Oh goodness! Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I drew a lot of inspiration for that role. I, in fact, I dedicated that role to the brave women of Iran. So, if anything, I think I modelled uh, after them. Um, and and what's surreal to me um, and, and very bitterly ironic is. That two months before this, I was sitting in Comic Con in American in San, Die- San Diego promoting this show, two months before Master Amini was killed. And I dedicated Bronwyn to the brave women of Iran who are at the forefront of the fight for democracy and freedom. And then, shortly after that, Master was killed, just two months later, and I found myself outside the, um, the federal building in Los Angeles speaking to. A Twenty thousand protesters, Iranians who gathered to protest the brutalities against massa and protesters in Iran. So this moment, I think there's a there's a there's a odd um, synergy between Bronwyn and what's happening uh, right now in Iran.
1: So it's your first time in a Davos World Economic Forum annual meeting. You will be speaking on a panel called "Women Rights in Iran: What Next?" I mean. I just want to ask you, what is next? I'll either answer that question, or what do you hope will be said and will be the outcome of that panel?
0: I mean, my hope is we are we are at the World Economic Forum, so I, you know, to tie this into what we can do, um, the Iranian diaspora, in its, I think, somewhere between four to seven million globally, um, apparently has. I, I recently read that. It, is, is worth 2.5 trillion dollars. that's more than the GDP of Canada and Australia um, so so we have a great deal of potential outside of Iran to be able to change Iran not only politically but economically um, My hope is that that we can tap into that that huge resource and find a way forward of influencing lawmakers wherever we may be but not only that, giving internet access to the people of Iran so that they can overcome these these internet shutdowns that the the regime is so known for the
2: blackout
1: um, when I was living in Tehran you would know when you know there were political problems whatever because the internet would slow right down yes. you'd go on it and you'd say oh okay, something's happening here and then it would speed up again yeah. and then sometimes they shut it down completely
0: and and to put it in context it's it's we're in I'm in Switzerland so it's Appropriate to say that Iran is a country where women gained the right to vote nine years before women in Switzerland. And we once had regionally revered female pop singers and a national LA. And what you're seeing now is this, in the past 44 years, is this reversal of rights, but not only a reversal, but like you're setting it back hundreds of years, um, that is just... Uh, just being here and and, and doing that comparison is, is quite jarring to me.
1: So the name of the panel is Women's Rights in Iran, What Next? So what next, do you think?
0: Well, what next? Ho- hopefully democracy, um, representative government. That's what, when I speak to distance on the ground in Iran, families of those who are imprisoned, activists, women's rights activists. Um, these calls for everything that we're doing now, oh, the, the expulsion of the Islamic Republic from the Commission on the Status of Women at the UN, uh, the fact-finding mission, um, and everything after that. And today in Strasbourg, there is uh, the thousands of Iranians are gathering to call on the IRGC to be um, put on the terrorist. Um, as, That's
1: the um, Revolutionary Guards.
0: Yes, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which, by the way, there's no mention of the word Iran in the name. It's the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps because they're tasked with protecting The Islamic Revolution, not the Iranian people, and you know, to me, that's that's something that's a call that's coming from inside Iran. The number of prominent dissidents that I'm talking to inside the country, I always go back and I, I consult with them, and I say, "Is this something you would like us to do?" And if the answer is a resounding yes, then we move forward, and we are more organized outside. The diaspora community is more organized outside than we've ever been. So my hope is, yes, the IRGC is uh, proscribed as a terrorist organization, that we uh, sanction the the supreme leader, which we haven't done yet, um, that we find ways to improve internet access inside Iran, um, that we find ways not to harbor and and provide safe havens to regime officials and their their, um, families who are living in freedom outside the country, unless they've cut ties with the regime and denounced the regime. Um and instead provide safe haven to dissidents who need that, like like people like Roya Perai, whose mother was killed by the regime um, and needs a safe haven. So we have to we we have to be unequivocal. Are we supporting the people of Iran or are we still sort of appeasing the Islamic Republic? My hope it's is that it's the former. And um I think we just have to be very clear in our policies.
1: The slogan Life Women Woman Freedom Does that have resonance around the world, do you think? I mean, there's the Iranian diaspora, but also are the women of Iran also making a stand for women and a better society around the world?
0: I think when you look at the slogan, woman, life, freedom, of course it means advocating for women, a better life and for freedom. And that applies to people everywhere and I think What struck a chord on an international level, in a similar way that the anti-apartheid movement did in South Africa, is we understand that if women don't have their rights, that usually leads to uh, society at large being deprived of their basic human rights. And that's why women, politically active women, are such a threat to autocrats. Um, and authoritarian. And every time we've seen women participate, have central participation in a movement, as we did in Argentina, as we did in Chile, for example, there's a greater likelihood of democracy prevailing. So they're really standing, not only up like the, are they standing up for themselves, but they're standing up for women everywhere. And at a time where bodily autonomy is such a hot topic in America at at a time where racial divides exist elsewhere. And we, of course, we see women in Afghanistan fighting for their most basic fundamental rights to education and other rights. This topic is, it really belongs to, to all of us.
1: You can watch Nazanin Bonyadi speaking on that panel discussion, Women's Rights in Iran, What Next? on our website. Go to wef.ch slash wef23. And you can find all our podcasts, including the daily Radio Davos shows, at wef.ch slash podcasts. Please subscribe to Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and maybe even a review and join the conversation on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club. Look for that on Facebook. This episode of Radio Davos was written and presented by me, Robin Pomeroy. Studio engineering was by Juan Toran. Editing was by Taz Kelleher. and audio production by Gareth Nolan. We'll be back next week, but for now, thanks to you for listening and goodbye.